Hi, and welcome to episode one of Without You, a podcast about sex, love, and addiction. I'm Jennifer Woodward. I'm a writer and an actor. I wrote a book called 90 Days Without You, which deals with the subjects of sex, love, and addiction. And I wanted to start talking about these issues now. So, here I am. Today, I'm going to introduce you to two people. Adriana Irvin, a psychotherapist specializing in addiction with particular reference to sex and love addiction. I think she's very smart. And Sophie, which is not her real name. Sophie's in recovery from addictive behaviors around sex and love, and she's very happy to speak with us about her personal experiences in these areas. In today's episode, called Beginnings, we talk about what we mean by sex and love addiction and how addiction can run through relationships. This is going to be the first of many such conversations as we explore some of the questions around romantic relationships and addiction that aren't only in the book, but are also prevalent in the wider scope of our modern culture. I hope you find it interesting. I give you episode one, Beginnings. was speaking to a friend yesterday and she's single and she said that she's started a relationship. They waited until they'd both been out of contact for a couple of weeks and she said it had saved her life just to have that contact, which I thought was interesting. It's an interesting perspective. It's rather a lot of emphasis <clears throat> and that's not surprising on romance and connection but it's an interesting phrase that it saved her life because to me as a therapist that rings an alarm bell early days and god bless your friend but that rings an alarm bell for me that we would be saved by another person in the romantic sense isn't that what it's supposed to be for (laughs) isn't that what they're supposed to do that's what we've been told that someone's going to come along and make us all better Well, I think that's why we're not better, because that is what we've been told. And actually, we have to save ourselves as best we can along the way. Not instead of, for sure, but along the way, we have to learn how to take care of ourselves to the best of our abilities. It's a great quote, actually. It was used in a Maya Angelou context. Um, But it comes from an old African proverb where she says, um, I don't trust people who don't love themselves, yet tell me I love you. There is an African saying which is, be careful when a naked person offers you a shirt. Oh, God. Well, that's what Uh, I always did. But Okay, wait. Before we get to I love you, one of the ways that a relationship often starts is through texting. And via text, it's so easy to have a back and forth, establish a fun, sexy repartee. And in that manner, 
as at the beginning of most relationships, that feeling of, oh my God, this person is interested in me. It starts and there's that intense charge, that charge that seems to be at the beginning of every relationship. Well, there, you would hope there would be. Yeah. And on some level, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And that's what you would hope for. And that's what declares the beginning of a relationship. However, in our pathologies, it depends what we then do with that charge and to what level we let it control us or rule us or move us or whatever. When you say pathologies, what do you mean? What's in our patterns, what's deep, buried deep in our psyche, what we came in with to this world, how we were, what our attachment styles were as babies, etc., etc., etc. It's such a huge topic. That will declare our pathology. And it's unique for each individual. Yes, although there, there are, the patterns aren't necessarily unique. But yes, we bring, you, we bring our own unique sense and feeling to it. But the charge, the chemistry, you know, a chemical response is, is our brain chemistry. It's where it then takes us. Well, I so know that, that charge, and it's interesting thinking about beginnings of um, relationships. I hesitate to, to call a bunch of things that I've been in, romantic things that I've been involved in as relationships, but things that I've found myself in or fallen into or pursued, um, that charge was oftentimes that was the fix that was the thing that was the adrenaline hit that I was looking for it may not have had much to do with whether I actually wanted to be with that person or not or whether I had any choice in the matter or I was just responding to somebody else's full-on big seductive thing um it's kind of interesting I guess talking about pathology and for me where I would now recognize a kind of danger thing is when there is that element where it becomes something that I have little choice over, mm. where it becomes a, a something that it's a need or fix or an urgency um, about it rather than a, a more considered decision, perhaps. And there are certainly people who go from beginning to beginning to beginning to beginning to beginning to beginning. For sure, you know. I did that. And you can understand why. Yeah, I mean, for me at the time, that was part of uh, how I would feel okay. So if I, if somebody wanted to have sex with me, then it would make me feel valuable as a person. Um, it wasn't really about the relationship as such. It was more about that kind of big... I always used to joke about the adoration from a man was my favourite drug of choice, but... Actually, it's probably not far from the truth. But I think you, you both hit on something really important because there's a, a very clear way of seeing all addiction as some kind of attachment disorder and sex and love addiction in particular as an intimacy disorder where it's very hard to, because of low self-esteem, all the usual plethora of terrible malaises that we look to someone else to fix us. Sophie, you said... If somebody wanted to have sex with me, it would make me feel valuable as a person. And you said that one little sentence, and you, you say it so quickly and in between other sentences, but that sentence alone is so deeply sad. It's one little sentence that holds so much in terms of what's happening in addiction. Yeah, but it's terrible when it just becomes, um, when it becomes a problem, when it becomes a problem for me or, or it's, it, it harms others and... Um, 
it's it's not a way to live. And Adriana, it was so interesting hearing you talk about that thing of, you know, always wanting the other to make us feel complete in some way. Um, it's usually because whether it was actual, the trauma is always on the inside. It's always on the person who perceives it, is that we didn't get that enough sufficiently way back when. And that's not to point fingers at parents because more than likely 99.999% did their best. But I, I actually think that sex and love addiction is the most painful and dangerous of the addictions. I do, because it's not visible on the outside. It is very difficult to maintain good recovery from. And it's very difficult to decide as an individual whether you're in addiction or whether you're in the genuine real feelings with addiction running through it. Yeah, sure. It all gets a bit grey. Also, our world, our culture thrives on romance and fantasy and intrigue. And we kind of admire people that are uh, popular and sexually attractive or men that have um, this allure to others or women or, you know, we, we, our society sort of admires that in lots of ways. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tricky. And it's certainly, you know, it's certainly tricky in, in my life to the extent that it, um, you know, I just, it, it made a huge mess of things and, and pretty much prevented me for a long, long time uh, until I understood it and began to recover from it. It prevented me from actually being in a relationship that I actually wanted. And that's the irony. It's the one thing that we want most in the world and it's the one thing that eludes us. I just want to backtrack one second when you said they are, Adriana, you said sex and love addiction, in your opinion, are two of the most difficult, well, is, is not two of, is the most difficult um, addiction to recover from. I think I might put gambling in there as well. well I, no, I, you're right. You're right. Well, I, I think to be to be... To be fairer, I think the process addictions, as opposed to the substances, yeah. because the substances are just the tip of the iceberg, and it wasn't the tip that sank the Titanic, whereas yeah. the processes are food, money, and relationships, and yeah. those we have to negotiate with those, and they become much more complicated. In other words, if I'm an alcoholic and I need to put down the alcohol, I have a physical thing, I have a substance that I can just put down, and that's it, whereas I need to keep relating to people. You know, I need to keep spending money and I need to keep eating and I need in this is my opinion, but I do think that to become that to be a full person, I need intimacy in my life. Yeah, absolutely. That's the tricky bit. I know it's really it is it is really tricky. And when we say would you guys would either of you speak to what when I say intimacy, there's the old adage into me see. But just for clarification, I'm not talking when I say intimacy, I'm not talking about having sex. Well, you might also be, but I might also be, yes, clearly not the only thing, yeah. Um, okay, so so back in the old days and back in the hookups, it wasn't about really being with another, it wasn't really about being seen. I had a romantic fantasy about being rescued. But the, the hookups were more about getting that, that a fix. So that was more like a drug. I definitely can attest to that thing that you were saying, Adriana, about substance addictions being way easier. For me, that was straightforward. This was complicated because it was a, there was an addiction pattern running through. I mean, it's similar to food, I guess. There's an addiction pattern running 
around something that is actually needed as well. Um, but it was my hookups were about a gratification. They weren't about um, being in a partnership. And so they were harmful. They harmed myself badly and they harmed other people who may have been fooled into thinking that what I was after was something more um, along the lines of a, a relationship, a partnership, um, a situation where you reveal yourself to, e to each other. I wasn't interested in that. When you say you had a romantic fantasy that you were looking to fulfill, where did that, could you just speak about that a bit? Like, where did that come from? It probably came from my parents and they probably had this kind of dysfunction going on, certainly from my mother and that belief that the Prince Charming thing, we're also told it in so much the Disney stuff that, that we're fed, uh, that there is a happy ever after and um, that there is a, a, there is a rescue mission. Um, so probably that. And also I think, because when I was young, I found something that worked for me. I was pretty... I was popular and it was, I always had that as a kind of a thing that I could use. So I know people say that addicts find something that works for them and then that, you know, they have that, that's their little toolbox of, of feeling okay in the world. Um, and also there were plenty of playmates out there. There was plenty of people also who've had these needs, this addictive tendency around um, sex or romance or fantasy. So there were plenty of people that um, I could get together with and it would all seem that it was you know, working out on some level. I do think the myths that we're given as kids are incredibly fascinating. I mean, you think of Cinderella, there she is, this poor kind of scullery maid, and all of a sudden she's wafted away by the prince who doesn't even know her name, who clearly has a shoe fetish, and she's got these two ghastly sisters who are happy to just give her away, and then they're hugely jealous. And I remember as a child thinking, how is that a good ending? She doesn't even know who he is. Just because he's a prince with a palace, it's all supposed to be wonderful. And In my head, I'm like, no, no, that's okay, that'll do, that's fine. <laughs> Go for the palace. Go for the palace. Yeah. I can see with my mother that there was a part of her that just wanted it to be different for her daughter, in good faith, wanted it to be different. So I'm going to tell you that there is a happy ever after that you could find. Don't do what I did, but find somebody really, you know, really great. But in all of this, nobody's taking responsibility for themselves. You know, certainly I wasn't doing. I thought I was being terribly modern and terribly free, certainly in the, the stuff that Adriana, you probably describe as the sex addiction. Very much, um, I don't want to feel encumbered by any kind of romantic stuff. I have something that is... Um, is popular that a sex addict would respond to. I can make myself available sexually to get that hit of being adored and, and wanted and, you know, any kind of commitment, I'm not interested. So there's a, there was a, you know, a huge self-harming element in that as well. And probably if I wanted to analyze it, a whole bunch of acting out sexual abuse stuff. I guess in all that kind of acting out, that was more like a kind of fixed thing. But beneath all that, and also I think the, the kind of sexual acting out was a really big disguise 
over the bit inside me that was the needy little girl looking for Prince Charming and possibly keeping myself very safe. So this, I always did think of the sex addict as the shell that hid the kind of needy, mushy love addict underneath. And my needy, lovey, mush addict, I actually really saw in recovery when I let down, let go of that behaviour, let go of that shell, that persona of being, you know, untouchable, unhurtable, I call the shots, which all of that was a complete illusion um, in that kind of promiscuous sort of behaviour of being terribly modern and um, advanced. But then, yes, that whole big mushy bit underneath was interesting. And that brings up a really, I mean... So it's called sex and love addiction. And you just described for you two completely different ways of being in the sexual addiction and hard and tough. And then underneath a love addiction that's mushy and... But it's not really love, is it? Love addiction no. is an odd word. Because it's not really about love. It's just... Not at all. Kind of also, it's only our culture that calls ourselves really needy. Other cultures don't label it that way. And what's fascinating is the subsections within the sex addiction and the love addiction part. And a lot of my colleagues think that they coexist as two separate addictions. Personally, I don't. But the, <clears throat> it's fascinating that the two of you think that the love addict is the mushy one because the love addict can be very cold, very calculating, very avoidant, very withholding, very ice queen, etc. I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say that. Um, that what Sophie described were two different things and I can relate to one of them. However, there's so many more permutations to this because you can have avoidance, you know, for starts, instead of being in an addiction and going for it, you can be in nothing. What, what would you call that? Andrea? Well, it's still addiction. It's an addiction to isolation and keeping yeah. safe and not, not getting your feet wet, and not yeah. having any connection at all because it is so threatening. And if the, <clears throat> if the love addict is the mushy little one, then I would, I would think probably in your cases, the she is the little child that just did not get her needs met, her wants met, didn't know how else to cope, so came up with some form of currency that achieved getting somewhere, and it involved behaviours and actions that actually hurt the inner child. Yeah, absolutely. This is making me feel so sad listening to you, but it's good. But this is at the heart of of things, and it's so... I was so motivated to do this podcast because it's so prevalent and it's so prevalent in a way that looks okay it's like functioning alcoholics there's so many functioning alcoholics in the world that that everyone says that's fine and that's fun and it's the same with this but I don't actually believe it I don't believe that any of these addictive behaviors are fun even though I sure as hell would have told everyone that I was having the best time ever Mm. um and I'm sure there are a lot of other people in the same boat who are possibly floundering around with it all. Um, And it's not so fun.
Well, I think the piece that always gets missed in talking about addiction and recovery is that addiction <clears throat> is really a disease of the spirit. It's something that's missing. It's a lack of connection to self. It's a lack of self-care. I mean, if you think about an alcoholic on paper, you know they're going to have problems with their relationships, with money, with self-care, with work, with whatever it is, because it's all completely unbalanced. And the part that drives me bonkers about sex and love addiction when it gets discussed sort of in magazines and so on is most men would like to see themselves as sex addicts and not talk about the love. And most women want to talk about the love addiction and not talk about the sex. And I think that just polarizes us and genderizes us to a degree that isn't holistic, that doesn't really understand. Because actually, yeah, the ultimate irony is that alcoholism isn't really about alcohol. And sex and love addiction isn't really about sex and love. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. And actually, I think that's a really good place to stop for our first episode. Sex and love addiction isn't really about sex and love. See ya. A big thank you to Ross Berman at Mr. Ross Berman for producing and engineering. And thank you at Amelia Baylor for music. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear discussed, get in touch with us on Instagram or Twitter. Our handle is at WithoutYouPod, or find our Facebook group, Without You Podcast. And if you like what you heard, we'd love it if you subscribed or even went so far as to give us a review. Pretty please. Next time, we're going to talk about attraction. Initial attraction. Ooh. I'm your host, Jennifer Woodward, and we'll be back soon. Until then, take care. Bye for now. Yeah.